Ladies, great to see you as always. Love you all. Jonathan Shuttlesworth. <laughs> Well, give, give Jesus a great big hand clap at this women's conference. As many of you know, I don't dish out a lot of compliments, but uh, of the five people I'm the most proud of on planet Earth, I would put Pastor Tom in that group because this is amazing. Truly amazing. And for a guy like him, it's nothing to do what he did because it's in his nature to stand and do, do what's right and be principled. But to look at the payoff from it is pretty amazing. So how about a great hand clap for the pastor of the church? I have the honor, before you're seated, I have the honor of, uh, well, I've never been, this is new for me, I've never been one of the two best looking men in a building before, but... Well, that's nice. So if I look like I was stalling, that was why. I have the honor of introducing my wife of 15 years. And I want to read, uh, I want to read something I wrote down. This was written to her. Just looking at you makes me happy. What if I married someone who made me feel bad about how much I travel? Instead, I have you, someone who pushes me to do more, someone with a greater passion for the lost than I have, someone with a greater love for the church than I have, someone who made the best kid, someone to talk to, somebody who relaxes me. You're mesmerizing and brilliant, like the hot orange glow of the Arizona sky. If Jesus tarries, if Jesus tarries, I'd love another 50 years burning the roads and skies together. You actually look better at 37 than you did at 21. Thanks for the laughs. You genuinely make me laugh. Thanks for believing in me with my negative checking account and unregistered car. I'll never forget it. Thanks. When, uh, Dallas traveled with me from the time we got married and then she went through a little bit of a health scare and to get out of the pit that she was in she started listening to Kenneth Copeland every day and studying the Bible to build her faith and then when we were driving together I noticed she was different it's it felt like when I drive with my dad because she would say do you ever read in Galatians chapter 3 when the Bible says this and after she went on like that for about 20 minutes it reminded me of me when I was 19 or so, when, when the gift to preach comes upon you and you're just going to talk about the Bible to anybody that you can. I said, you know, you've crossed a line in how much you've been studying the Bible. I said, you, you actually activated something in yourself now to preach, which if you don't know, before we got married, she was in Bible college training to be an evangelist. So that, that brought that out of her. She was happy to be in the background and all that. So then in Montreal, I think 2016, 2016 in Montreal, I had her do one of the day services, and from then it was just, it, it was a, a thing of admiration for me. And I've said before, and I'm not trying to be overly flowery, but that's what's made for an easy marriage for me is if I could get, if you're not married, I would advise you, marry somebody you admire.
because I admire Adalis. I admire her preaching. I get blessed when I hear her preach, not because she's like my family member. She's anointed. And then to watch her grow from 2016 to now, I'm, I'm blown away. And when they told me I have the option to introduce my wife, I want to tell you, not because I'm her husband, you have um, something special tonight to listen to one of the great, not women preachers, one of the great ministers of the gospel in our generation. So if you would put a, your hands together for my wife. Enough of that. I love that man walking down those stairs, leaving here. I love you, Johnny. Why don't you throw your hands up in the air? Wave them like you just don't care. I'm just kidding. I want you to start praying in that heavenly language. I hope you've come wanting a touch from heaven because that's exactly what you're going to get. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. This is not your average woman's event where we pass around the tissue box and talk about how hard life is. This is a time for you to encounter the power and the manifestation of God that will change your life forever. You might have come in here weak, but you're leaving full of power, full of strength, full of joy, full of might in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Then say amen. And turn to your neighbor and say, you look good tonight, sis. You can take a seat. Hallelujah. Well, for those of you that don't have a clue who I am, my name is Adala Shuttlesworth and I was married to the great evangelist, Jonathan Shuttlesworth. And we've been doing ministry now for 15 years. And uh, just to add to that testimony, um, back in 2015, I had suffered an attack on my body. How many of you guys are familiar with my testimony? Just wave your hand at me like this. Dang, that's it. Okay, so I'm definitely going to get into it a little bit. So for those of you that have heard it, you'll hear it again. Uh, but back in 2015, I miscarried with our second baby. And, I know. And, um, and so uh, it, was, it was very difficult for me at that time because I was 10 years into the ministry. I had a three-year-old daughter, and I thought, how in the world could I be attacked like this. I am Jonathan Shuttlesworth's wife. How dare you? And so I, I battled with that for quite a bit of time because it was just jarring. What happened was really strange. When I went to the doctors, they were like, oh, this happens one in like 300 million. Like whatever happened to you was a fluke. Like doctors would tell me that. And so there was no resolve to what had happened. I had miscarried the baby, but in that moment where I miscarried, I miscarried and I, I, I bled out a third of my blood. And I remember getting to the hospital and them saying, there's nothing that we can do for you. 
this is just something, they gave me a blood transfusion, we'll talk about that later, but um, they gave me a blood transfusion, and I remember being in this room and thinking to myself, what in the world is happening? And I thought I was invincible. I thought I am the, the, the preacher's wife. How in the world could this happen to us? And I, 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 I didn't understand, you know, 10 years, again, 10 years into the ministry, I never saw this coming. And I remember being quite literally on my deathbed. I felt my spirit hovering over my body. And I said to myself, God, I am going to meet you tonight. And I remember my body was shaking. It, was, it had gone into shock because of the, the loss of blood. And I remember uh, one of the nurses, a male nurse, coming in and saying, like, I've wrapped her with all these um, warm blankets, and I don't know, like, why she's still shivering. And the doctor in the, in the uh, room said, oh, she's gone into shock. Like, it doesn't matter how many blankets you put on her, her body, this is just a natural reaction to the shock that's happening in her body. And I thought, well, here I go. This is it. You know, I was 20, I think I, how, I was 27 with her. I was 30 years old. I was 30 years old, uh, pregnant with my second. We were just about to launch our festival of lives that really, you know, put us on the maps in the ministry. And I remember thinking to myself, what in the world? This is where it all comes to an end. You know, 30 years and this is it. And so I remember just thinking to myself, well, my daughter's going to be well taken care of. I have, you know, way too many sisters to be worried about that. So she'll be taken care of and... And I thought, Jonathan's going to have to get married. God bless whoever comes after me. She's going to need it. So I just did a silent prayer for that other uh, lady, if there was another lady. And I said, Lord, mm, you're going to have to help her out, Jesus. Uh, but I, was, I literally was like, this is it. This is it. I'm, I'm dead. And so I, I, I remember thinking to myself after that, after the natural kind of like, you know, thought process, I remember thinking to myself, now I'm going to meet my Savior. Who was here for this morning's service? How awesome was that? That was so powerful. And I'm not saying it because she's my woolmate. She's my twin. Get it, woolmates? No. Um, I'll just stick to talking. Uh, but it was, it was just like a powerful thing uh, when it comes to the process of your mind. Yeah. So I, I was just thinking and allowing these thoughts to kind of like wash over me and thinking to myself, this is the end. And now what am I going to do? I'm going to meet Jesus. There was no doubt that I was going to meet my master. And my sister talked about it earlier today. And she talked about in Matthew 25, um, the, the, uh, the, the, the story about the talents and I thought to myself, I know that God called me into ministry. And it wasn't because I was chasing after Jonathan. I was on, in Bible school all by my dang self. He wasn't part of the picture. 
and God spoke to me that I was going to be not only an evangelist, but an evangelist to America. Like I, when I went to Bible school, I was all in. I said, I want geographically where I'm supposed to be. I want the ministry office as to where I'm supposed to be. There's a five-fold ministry gift. I want to know exactly, precisely what you have in store for me. I went on a three-day fast, water fast. That's how I did my first fast. Three days of water. I thought I was going to die. I had like a migraine. I didn't even brush my teeth because I thought like mint. <laughs> Minty. I'm like, oh, I'm going to break the fast. So I was walking like literally like death. But I had contended that I was going to meet the Lord and he was going to speak to me. Like I, I, I hope to God and I've been praying for you that that's exactly what you have done for tonight. That God would speak to you and give you direction and give you such clarity that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know that this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I did. And God spoke to me. And it was a miraculous thing how Jonathan and I met. I won't get into it. But it's, you know, he comes from a ministry background. And I am not. I did not come from a ministry background. You know, furthest thing from it, really. You know, there's a lot that, that I can get into, but I'm not going to because I'm not going to be here for 15 hours. But, uh, you know, there, there was just, like when I first got married to Jonathan, he wanted to talk about things. <laughs> he wanted to talk. Like, he wanted to have a conversation. Like, you know, pa um, Pastor Hope was talking about Pastor Tom and how he's, like, very sentimental. And I understand because in my house we don't talk we slam things you know what I mean like we don't there's no communication here I'm just gonna slam this door and you're gonna get the picture now leave me alone so I thought that that's what normal communication was hello and all of a sudden he wants to sit down and make eye contact and, and what sing kumbaya what what is this like no I want to be mad at you so let me crack this pot over your head and then we'll be fine. But he's like, no, you can't do that. So I was like, oh, wow, that's great. New beginnings. So I, I remember getting married to him. Like we were not, like we weren't, you know, similar backgrounds. I remember going to his in-law's house and they had dinner together. <laughs> what? They held hands before they ate and blessed the food. I was like, what, is this a, like a hidden camera show? Somebody, like, okay. I just, I was like, no, this cannot be real. And then after we're having dessert, she brings out a homemade pie. Judy, if you're watching, what's up? You're amazing. She doesn't bring a homemade pie. She makes the best pies with the most incredible tea. I don't know what she puts in that tea, but it was amazing. And then Brother Tiff, I like to call him Poppy Tiff, Poppy Tiff pulls out an acoustic guitar and starts singing hymns. <laughs> I couldn't even eat the pie. I'm like, I'm so confused. Is this how you white people do it? Because this is not how it's done in my house. You just grab the food and go to your room. Leave me alone. I have a rough day. So I'm like, I don't know, man. This is very odd. So to say that we're, we weren't from similar backgrounds is the greatest understatement. 
But I remember being, feeling that call and understanding that God had called me not just to be the wife and the helpmate, but to have a pulpit ministry, like with a mic and a pulpit, like speaking. And I remember that vividly. I had a dream, and in that same dream, and not in that same dream, uh, my youth pastor at the time had a dream that was the exact same dream that I had dreamed. As like, because that's how the Lord would have to speak to me. Because I was a little hard-headed, you know, back in the day. A little bit today. Um, and so the, I would need that encounter. I would need those things to kind of like, you know, make sure that I'm going on the right, like just supernatural things. And I had that supernatural encounter time and time again. God would speak to me in dreams so vividly. That's how I know that I'm called to do this that I'm doing today. And as I was hovering over my body thinking, I'm going to meet my maker, what am I going to tell him that is going to actually, uh, you know, pacify the fact that I didn't step into the call that he had given me, that I wasn't doing precisely what he'd called me to do. So I just immediately started getting scared because I was thinking like, I'll just tell it was John's fault. John made me feel insecure. Shoot, I'll, put my, I'll throw my grandmother in there and be like, she just, she hurt me with some words. My dad, uh, just Santa, anything. And as, I, as these like things, these, these, these uh, you know, this, this, these things started like just kind of going into my head. I was thinking to myself, there is not a good enough excuse that I have that is going to give me uh, a way out of not doing what God's called me to do. And so I thought to myself, God, I'm going to meet you and you are not going to be happy. <laughs> Help. So I remember it laying there, just totally like my body lifeless, but me, my, my mind being as active as it is right now and thinking to myself in, in my brain, praying, Father, if you would just give me one more chance. If you give me one more chance, I will do what you've called me to do. Please don't let me meet you right now because you're really not going to be happy. And all of a sudden, we had that, I had that blood transfusion and it progressed, and within 48 hours, out of, I was out of, that, out of that hospital room. No, no, it got bad. It got bad. No, don't clap yet. So that, because the devil is such a bully, that was the open door for fear in my life. And so I didn't realize it then, because you can get so busy with the menial day-to-day -day tasks that you, you, get, uh, you, you don't really prioritize what should be a priority in your life. Your relationship with God, that should be your number one priority. Not your marriage, not your children, not anything else. Your relationship with God has to be number one. The title of my message, if you didn't know, if I haven't told you yet, is don't fear, get going. Don't fear, get going. And I'm sharing a little bit of my testimony because I want to encourage you in whatever state that you're in, that it's never too late to do what God's called you to do. It's never too late to turn around from that fear, from that situation. You can start today and make it count because it's not how you started, it's how you finish. 
the finishing part is so important for every person in this place. Can you say amen? amen? So I remember that was an open door for fear. And all of a sudden, I've had bits, uh, you know, fear kind of like attack throughout my lifetime. And I, maybe I didn't even know it. But looking back on it, I see it. And I realized, yeah, this was definitely fear. Like from, from a very young age, I was very familiar with what fear looked like. And so I remember once this attack had happened, it was an all-out war in my head. I mean, panic attacks, depression, sadness, thoughts of suicide. I didn't want to get up out of bed. I didn't want to leave the bathroom that I was staying in. I was so gripped with fear. Give it up for Pastor Dodonica. She looks lovely. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, Pastor. You look great. Your hair looks awesome. We match. She's my best bud. Um, so anyway, what was I saying? You interrupted me. Huh? Right, panic attacks, right. So, um, so I'm having all these kinds of panic attacks, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if I could ever get out of this. Now, mind you, I had suffered an issue with blood six months after that miscarriage. I was continuing to bleed. And that story of the woman with the issue of blood, that was not the first thing I thought of. It took me like two and a half months to remember that story. That's how, that's how far the word was from me. That's how, I, how, how far I had disconnected with what, what's most important, which is a relationship with Christ. Being in ministry for 10 years to an awesome evangelist. Being in ministry twice, three times a day. And Jonathan doesn't preach like a cute little 15-minute uh, message. You know, I'm in there all the time, but now I've got Camila, I've got the, the live stream, I've got like a million other things. And it was easy for me to forsake my first love. And so I did. And so all of a sudden, this attack is happening to me. Fear has gripped me. I literally was so, so f feeble in my mind that I thought, this is so terrible. And if any of you have ever had panic attacks or anxiety attacks or just depression, you don't even want to live. And I thought to myself, why did the devil just take me out six months ago? This is awful. I hate this. And I thought to myself, Jonathan, pray. Pray for me because I can't. I can't get out of this. And I'm telling you, I had the best people praying for me. And it was of no help. So I remember going out to Hollywood, Florida for one of the, the, one of the very first times that I felt strong enough in body because I've lost that blood. I was anemic and I was so weak and tired. Like every day was a struggle. But I remember going to Florida, and I remember this full-out panic attack. And I thought to myself, I need to go home. And I recognized, you know, fear with the fight or flight, that I wasn't much of a fighter. I just wanted to flee. I wanted to run and hide. And I remember being in that hotel room, stricken with a panic. Like, literally, my heartbeat was going, like, 195 beats per minute. Like, I thought my heart was going to explode out of my chest. And I remember looking at Jonathan and saying, I have to go home. I can't, I can't do this. And when I thought about going home, my heartbeat would just kind of relax. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. That the moment my mind decided to run, everything kind of would subside. 
And I told John, I'm like, I got to go. I'm going to book the first. I literally had my phone out, and I was about to purchase the tickets for me and Camila so I can get the heck out of there. And Jonathan said, you could do whatever you want because he's such a loving, understanding, amazing man. He said, you can do whatever you want, but I want you to know that this is an attack. You're perfectly fine. There is nothing wrong with your body. This is a demonic manifestation. I'm sure he saw the panic. I'm sure he saw the fear in my eyes, and he recognized that's not right. That's demonic. That ain't my wife. And so when he said that, it was almost as though somebody slapped me or at least poured a cup of cold water into my face, and it was this, the, the most jarring kind of you know, reality, like, oh, my gosh, you're right. And I remember thinking to myself, I, I, uh, when did this happen where I just became this weak sissy that just wants to run away from everything? When did that happen? Because back in the day, your girl would fight, if you know what I mean. Now I got like in lots of fights. I almost got kicked out of school. I did get kicked out of school. So I didn't like being bullied. So the, I, I've, I've been in multiple fights, men and women alike. <laughs> Equal white, right, uh, opportunists or whatever. It didn't matter. I was ready to go, you know. And so all of a sudden, I'm, I'm in this state, and I'm thinking, like, why, why am I not fighting? And I recognize this is an all-out attack, especially with the festival of life that was coming up. I was like, this is the enemy. And I remember being at a beautiful hotel over in Jupiter, Florida, five-star with a balcony, and I ripped open those curtains. I walked out onto that uh, balcony, and I just started praying in tongues, like Kofi. Like it was, might as well be like motorcycles. And I remember like walking across back and forth. I was like, I don't care if this hotel drops a star tonight. And I single-handedly did that. I don't care if this freaks anybody out. This is it for me. And I remember in that balcony crying out to God and saying, this is how dumb, okay. Saying, God if you can heal me from this, I'll tell the world. If. You know what I mean? If. if you, I didn't even know he could. And so that began my really obsession as to what in the world is fear. And why does it attack? And I'm telling you, I gave myself for the better part of three months, day in, day out. I put away my Rihanna under my umbrella, Ella, Ella. <laughs> and I started listening to Kenneth Copeland. I started reading Andrew O'Mac. I started listening to all kinds of like, you know, heavy hitters in the faith. And I was like, I'm going to get down to business here because I recognize this is a spiritual root. And the only thing that can really take care of something that's a, of a spiritual root is spirit. And you know, the word of God is spirit. So a lot of you, you might be on all kinds of mind medicine. You might be on all kinds of like uh, uh, diets and, and exercise, trying to figure out how, why this anxiety is coming at you and trying to pacify it with really a glorified Band-Aid. When in reality, there's a spiritual root. And the only way you can eradicate fear is by filling yourself up with faith. And so that's what I recognized, and I saw it in the Word, and all of a sudden there was clarity. And for, for the better part of three weeks, 
I had no panic attacks, no fear. I didn't even, it was so out of my mind because of my obsession with the word and understanding the language of heaven that I didn't even think about fear. I didn't even think about anxiety. I didn't think about what had happened. I was just so intoxicated with the word of God that I finally came to realize, oh my gosh, it works. And this is why I'm here today. I said, if I get one opportunity to preach at a place, only one, this is what I'm going to talk about. Because this is what set me free. I was in ministry for 10 years, petrified of even going up towards the front. You'd find me in the back. Where you ladies are at, I see you back there. That was me. That was me back there. Because I didn't want to be seen. Jonathan would be like, hey, I want you to just say hi to them. And I'm like, if you give me that mic, I'm going to make a scene for you. And you're going to regret it. And you'd be like, get a grip, you know. But I, I, I remember thinking to myself, 10 years into it, like I'm not, this is not, no, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe those dreams were just, you know, uh, you know, happy, clappy dreams that, you know, just feel good, made me kind of like go into this route just to trick me into doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is being the, the camera woman or, you know, whatever, the, the lady from behind the scenes. And I remember thinking to myself, no, like now there's an inventory on the inside of me that I, I have to share this. It felt different. It feels different. And so I remember thinking to myself, this really works. And I have to tell you about it because it really works. Don't fear, get going. Do you know the very first manifestation of fear? Um or the, the first manifestation of the demonic was fear. So in the beginning, as Magali was talking about earlier today, that the snake came in and just began to put thoughts of uh, seeds of doubt in the mind of Eve. What ended up happening? They ate the freaking fruit. They screwed everybody over. You know what I mean? And then what happened? After they ate that fruit, did they die? No, they did not. Because that's what God said. If you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. But they didn't understand fully the spiritual death. But there was something that did happen. And all of a sudden, in the cool of the day, like it was the normal uh, custom with God and Adam, God comes down just to hang out with his buddy to talk. And all of a sudden, his buddy is nowhere to be found. Why? Because he was afraid. He was hiding. Like Magali was hiding in those curtains. <laughs> and in Genesis 3.10, he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Can I tell you, the thing about fear is that it paralyzes you. It strips you of the ability to even think correctly. You don't think correctly. You're not in your right mind. And so the thing about God and his kingdom is even in the beginning, God said, the most important thing I want you to know about myself. Turn with me to Genesis 1.1. Go ahead. Don't look at me. Turn. I want you to see it. Genesis 1.1. See, because if I'm going to introduce myself to you, and I just have a little bit of time with you. I'm going to tell you about what's most important to me. 
And God is going to do the same here. In the beginning, God what? Yeah, yeah, that's what God wants you to understand about him first and foremost. It didn't say in the beginning God loved the world and everything he created. No, 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 no. He said in the beginning God created. God is a God of production. Now, if you were here this morning, you understand that he absolutely hates laziness. He absolutely hates stagnancy. He absolutely hates failure. And he is all about being fruitful. Be fruitful and multiply. That was the first command to Adam and Eve. Not go and love each other and let everybody. No, no, no. God love us. Take communion. Make sure you tithe. No, he said be fruitful. So God wants us to be fruitful. And at times, because of this thing called fear, now I don't care how you look at it. If you're not progressing, it's because you've allowed fear somewhere into your life. And I'm going to get into that a little bit because I want you to see how fear can manifest in a person's life. But if you're not taking ground, if you're not being productive, if you think the best years are behind you, there's something called fear in your life. Because I don't care if you call it, I'm just insecure. I'm a little timid. You know, the, the Bible talks about timidity, right? He said, I didn't give you that. So where'd you get it from? If God didn't give it to you, who, who'd you get it from? Because he didn't give you a spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. We don't use sound mind anymore, but control over your thoughts. So for all you people that are oh, just, my mind keeps racing, and I just can't go to sleep. That's why I need, like, just a carton of wine. A carton. <laughs> why are you laughing? You're not supposed to know what that is. You got a carton of wine, you got a, a like a tap, <laughs> just because you feel like I, I, these, these thoughts, they're I can't, I can't, I can't numb that, I can't control that, that's a lie, that's a lie, God has given you control over those thoughts, and so God, the very first manifestation of the, the demonic was fear. And fear, just like it did here with Adam, it magnifies your insecurities and glorifies your weakness. So instead of in getting intoxicated with how God sees you, which is the word, because the word is a mirror. Instead of doing that and, 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 and reflecting on how God died for me, I am the righteousness of God. I am a holy priesthood. I am holy. I am beautiful. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If you start getting intoxicated with what God says to you, then all of a sudden insecurities and weaknesses, they fall off because you're not really magnifying it. Can you say amen? amen? But fear does that. Fear will magnify your insecurity and it produces your inability to move forward. He hid. He hid. English is my second language, so I, I looked up hid, <laughs> as stupid as that might be, but it blessed me. It says to withhold or withdraw, to lose ground, to withhold or withdraw. That's what the enemy does. That's why he has you in fear, because he wants you to withdraw, and that's not our mission. The Bible says we have to go and preach the gospel to everyone everywhere. 
We gotta tell people about, well, I'm shy. No! No, you're not! I remember, I remember, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I, I, feel, I feel the giggles stirring up because I'm gonna tell you what, I felt when I, I have received this revelation, I'm like, this is it. This is all anybody needs to know. This is the root of everything that's evil out there. This is the root of every problem in any person's life. It's fear. Can you say amen? amen? So what is fear? Can I go through a couple of definitions for you? Can you write them down for me so you never forget? As God walks with faith, Satan walks with fear. Now that's not a definition, but it's, it's, I'm, I'm painting a picture for you. As God walks with faith, faith is the only thing that can please God. I want you to understand that. And fear is the only way the enemy can infiltrate and ha just, just ransack your life. So think about that. Faith and fear. See, the, the thing about fear is that the enemy always perverts some kind of truth. He always has to go and mess it up. And so he thought, faith, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something just as, as, as powerful. It's called fear. And so Satan walks with fear. And if you don't want to have anything to do with the enemy, then you got to cut fear off out of your life. Can you say amen? amen. I remember early in my marriage, and I'm going to like come full circle. I'm going to come, you know. And uh, I remember, this was before the attack in 2015. And I remember having a semi-panic attack. And semi, because I've, I've recognized what a full-blown panic attack is, and that was, you know, chump change. Uh, but I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, something bad is going to happen in my family. This is awful. So I remember going into Jonathan and being like, babe, just join me in prayer right now. Because I really have a feeling that something bad is going to happen in my family. And he was playing Call of Duty at the time on our couch. <laughs> and he looked at me and said, don't. <laughs> what? What do you mean, don't? And he said, don't fear. He didn't even pray about it. <laughs> and then he like turned around and kept killing people online. <laughs> and I was like, no, he didn't just say, don't fear. <laughs> He said, don't fear. Like, that's just, I can just shut that off. Like, I can just stop that momentum. Who does he think he is? Uh, stupid. I thought he was spiritual. Because I'm here. I was like, no, Lord. <laughs> Let us just light candles and pray. And John's like, no. I'm playing Call of Duty. <laughs> Get up out of my face. And stop. Stop fearing. Right. It snapped me out of it, though, because I was like, who, who do you think you are? You know what I mean? So uh, put a bookmark there, because we're going to come back to that. But I just wanted to share that before I forgot. Fear is the unpleasant emotion caused by the dread of danger, pain, or harm. A feeling of anxiety concerning the outcome of something 
or the safety of you or another. So what? Fear is just faith in something that's going to happen in the future that would be devastating to you and yours. An unpleasant emotion caused by the dread of, so it's not even danger. It's the dread. It's the thought process. The likelihood of something unwelcome happening. The anticipation of something bad. So it it hasn't even happened yet. You know, some people are so afraid, full of anxiety, that their children aren't going to serve the Lord. They're, they're racked up with, with all kinds of, you know, anxiety and fear. And they're still breastfeeding. <laughs> Junior can't even talk. And you're losing sleep that your son is not going to serve the Lord. This is how I, I'm just, I'm shedding some light because some of you are thinking that. You're thinking about the, the day you die, how sad it's going to be. Your children just coming up to the casket and touching it. And you're, you've just convinced yourself you're going to die. And there ain't nothing wrong with you. <laughs> I'm telling you, these realities are created. If you don't stop that train momentum, it's going to take you over. So it's the anticipation. Say anticipation. anticipation. Turn to your neighbor. Say it's anticipation. anticipation. Dummy. Yeah, you don't have to say dummy, but. <laughs> Fear is negative emotion generated by negative expectation. Negative emotion generated by a negative expectation. Tell me that's not the, the counterfeit of faith. Fear is faith in the negative. Fear is the expecting of the wickedness of the devil to prevail over the goodness of God. Fear is the expectation of the wickedness of the devil to prevail over the goodness of Almighty God. Turn to your neighbor and say, hell no. I'm not doing that. No, no. You got to start getting really feisty about these things, ladies. And maybe you've never heard of this before. Maybe you're brand new to the faith. Maybe you're brand new to this message. But there's certain things that we have to do and we have to get ugly about it. You know when you sing that song, like the Whitney Houston song, and your face just contorts and all kinds of, because you're going to hit that note. Sometimes you got to get ugly because it feels right. Because you're going to hit that note. You don't care who's around. Am I right, Sister Nikki? You're going to hit it. And, but we, when it comes to spiritual things, every, all the women are just cute about it. Well, it's just, you know, something that I always have to battle with. <laughs> Take my Xanax and my my jug of wine, and we'll be all right. (laughs) Say no. No. Not me. Not Not ever. Because you got to get feisty about the spiritual things in your life. Do you know what the Bible says? The violent take it by force. You can't be pretty about this. 
You can't tolerate fear. Fear tolerated is faith what? Contaminated. That was Kenneth Copeland, not me, so I can't, uh, you know. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Faith cannot work with anything else in your life. It has to be faith or nothing at all. You have to be all in or all out. You have to be one-sided about the promises of God and say absolutely not to this fear. And you got to understand entry points, ladies, because there's certain things that trigger you. Slash me. I'm putting myself out there too. There's certain things that trigger us to be automatically in that state of fear and panic. But if you recognize the spirit of fear, if you recognize the plague of fear, if you recognize the tormenting spirit of fear, then you say, absolutely not. I'll shut the door. Yes. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm sorry. I should have kept talking, but I didn't. So the goodness of God will prevail. Turn to your neighbor and say, the goodness of God will prevail. I want you to understand that when you fear, you're more confident in the badness of the devil than the goodness of Almighty God. And in my Bible, it says that when they throw him out, we're all going to look at him and the nations are going to be like, is this he, this, this little twerp who deceived the nations? that box of wine can we drink up here sir yeah because you're gonna feel so dumb you're gonna feel like this is the one this twerp this measly bastard came to try to ruin my life to ruin my family to ruin the lives of my children him but when you fear that's exactly what you do you give the enemy power and then you're going to come to understand when you get to heaven. A lot of us, you know, the, the, the Bible says on that day of judgment, and it's not, um, it's a beam of judgment, not like a judgment about the, you know, because we're children of God. And uh, on that day, he's going to have to wipe our eyes. When we get into heaven, he's going to wipe our eyes of the sorrow. And why? Why? If we're forgiven, why would he have to wipe away our eyes? Because through that, we're going to really test to see what it is that we've been working our lives for. All of the things that we present to God, they have to be tried by fire. And all those things that you've given your life to that have all been just kind of stemmed out of fear, anxiety, and depression, those are going to be burned up like this. And then God's going to have to clean your eyes and be like, listen, you should have done it this way. That's not going to be me, and that's not going to be you. Can you say amen? amen? You have to be convinced of the goodness of God. Fear is placing the senses above what the evidence of the word says. So like, uh, you know, evidence, evidence, do you have enough evidence? <laughs> Frederick Price, I'm obsessed. Yes. He to help me out in my life. Evidence, yes. Yes. evidence, <laughs> do you know something? Okay, wait a minute. But that song comes into my mind because there, your faith has to have evidence. And that's what this is all about. We have to walk in, in, in the knowledge and the understanding of the word of God. 
And that's what faith is. Faith is the confident assurance that what the word of God says trumps everything else that I see or feel or hear. And I walk in that. See, that's, that's being spiritually minded. And the opposite of that is being carnally minded. When I was a kid, to be carnally minded was to think bad thoughts. To want to go and punch your teacher and call her whatever the names were. To go and, and look at bad things on the filthy things on the internet. That's carnality. No. Carnality is just simply choosing to walk in fear rather than faith. And everything, when you walk in your carnality, what does it lead to, the Bible says? Death. If you walk in your carnality, it leads to death. But if you walk in the spirit, it produces life. It produces godliness. It produces good things in your life. Can you say amen? amen. So you got to be understanding of those things and side, choose to side with what the word of God says. Can you say amen? amen. So fear places the senses above what the evidence of the word is. So what are the sources of fear? I can, I can name a lot, but I'm just going to like, you know, kind of like cluster them up here. Sources of fear. Your past. Can I tell you, with all due respect, I'm sick of the excuses. Hmm? I'm sick of the excuses that you can't progress because of something that you did in the past or something that happened in the past. I'm done with it. And you should be done with it too. Your past. Philippians 3:13 and 14 says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do is forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. How long are you going to tie yourself to that situation? There's a story about two men, and the first one was just, he, he, they, they both grew up in the same household, and uh, they were abused sexually by their uh, father. He was a horrible al alcoholic and, and really physically and sexually abused them. And as an older man, he was testifying how hard life was because he was physically and sexually abused. And he was a heroin addict. He was in and out of rehab centers, overdosed, died on the table several times. And he said, the whole reason why I'm here is because of what happened to me in the past. And his brother, who was a very successful uh, self-help motivating, uh, motivational speaker, he comes up and says, I have given myself for the awareness of children that are being abused. I've opened up multiple facilities and I've done a great success in, in exposing these kinds of behaviors and helping children out because of what had happened to me in that household. So look at the two, two the, the, the differences there. They, two individuals grew up in the same household, suffered the same things, and what was the outcome? Two totally different things. So you understand, it's all about me. The choices that I make determine where I'm going to go. If I want to wallow in defeat, then guess what? Defeat will follow me for the rest of my life. You could have easily seen me 
at some church Jonathan's preaching at, but you know, buzzed out of my mind with all kinds of prescription drugs because I refused to overcome what the devil had thrown at me back in 2015. I could have been back there with the, my pupils dilated the eyes of like, like dinner plates. Johnny, where are we? Just sit down, Nadalis, okay? You can't listen to your past. You got to let it go. You got to let it go, I said. You got to see that gets a little tough, right? Because a lot of, it, uh, a lot of that is, is kind of like your comfort zone. And a lot of things with, with fear in general is, is fear comes with the unknown, uncharted territories. Well, what's going to happen if I go and venture into this? I've always had toxic relationships like this. And if I put this to rest, I got to go in here, but I don't know what that's like. And so fear comes in. See, so it's not a really easy decision to say, I'm not going to choose to, to, to have my past come and follow me. From this moment forward, I sever every tie to the past. I sever every emotion because that's really what the word of God does. It severs you from feeling those, those, that reality. Let me tell you how many times I've had to do what Paul did and try to forget, force myself to forget the reality of what has happened to me in the past. Those scary moments that it just seems like you could relive, relive and tell what you were wearing, what smell was there. I mean, it is just, it's dynamic. You could, you, it's so detailed, right? You got to force yourself to forget. Can you say amen? amen? Well, that's not, no, I don't want to hear it. And let me tell you, it's so much better on this side. Yes. You're going to think to yourself, why didn't I do this before? I am free. I can do what God has called me to do because ultimately when you are in fear and bondage, you can't move forward. I don't want to be stuck back there. And just, just be that word stuck, what does that word stuck mean? I feel stuck. It's because you don't want to make a decision. That's what being stuck is. The inability for you not to make a choice. So you're just stuck. No, you can move. You can unstuck un yourself. English. Englishy heart. Your past could be a source of fear. What you listen to. Now, we understand that through COVID, right? Every celebrity doesn't get on Instagram and be like, take the vaccine. Guys, people are dying out there. You know, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, I loved him. And then he had to do what he did and side. Everybody has to get vaccinated. I was like, Forget it. Moving on. Stupid. But, but it, like, to me, I'm very sensitive to what it is that I listen to because it affects me. It might not, not affect you the same way, but for me, because I'm very keen to the, the, the fear stuff, there are certain things I refuse to listen to. Tell me how many times I filled in for Check the News. Like twice. Why? Because it bothered me. I don't want to get into that. I don't want to know. I'm just going to be, my, 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 I'm just going to be reading the word. Max can give me the cliff notes. What happened, Max? This, boom, 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 okay, well, moving on. 
But I don't want to get into listening to CNN and all the, the Fox reports and this and the other. Just forget it. It's enough to just ask God to take you home. And I was like, no, I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to do that. Deuteronomy 13, 11 says, so all Israel shall hear and fear. And I'm telling you, I see this throughout the word of God all the time. They heard and fear came. They hear and fear. They were uh, stricken with fear, unable to move, unable to do what God has called them to do. Can you say amen? amen? The same way faith comes in is the same way fear comes in. Faith comes by? Hearing. Look at what the, the um, Amplified Bible says in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing what is told and what is heard comes by the preaching or the declaration of the message concerning Christ. So what about the message concerning the bad news out in the world? You have the, the, the ticker burned into your TV watching CNN. And then all of a sudden you're on mind medicine. Follow the thought process. Follow that. All of a sudden you're hanging out with these uh, uh, ladies, Sister Ethel, who all just talks your ear off about how hard life is. And by the time you're done having a conversation with Sister Ethel, you want to throw yourself in front of a train. I don't know. Here's the thought. Don't go see Ethel. You know, I, you got it. Like I said, you got to get violent about certain relationships, certain friendships. No, I, I can't. Mm -mm. Don't call me block, delete. Block, get block, block, block. It's, it's, it's amazing to me how people can still just linger in these relationships that are absolutely toxic. Max was talking about it today. Why are you going to go to your aunt who's had seven divorces for marriage counseling? That don't make no sense. So why are you putting up with anybody who's going to try to bring in fear? And a lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It might be your mom. Uh-oh. It might be your mother-in-law. Uh-oh. There has to be a, 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 a walls. There's got to be a vetting system. We're not talking about this in this house. And if you got to get ugly, get ugly. Because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I'm not going to listen or put up with you bringing in bad news, making me feel scared, putting down my husband, going against what I believe, not in this house. Maybe when we come visit you, I'll give you five minutes to vent, but I'm out. So what you listen to is, 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 is vital for your faith or your fear. Can you say amen? amen? Hearing and fearing go hand in hand. So safeguard yourself. Can you say amen? Even the music. Even the music. Let me tell you. I'm not going to mention who, but Nikki. Um, <laughs> there were things that we were, we were like, oh, let's put on this song. This song is, and then we're singing. We're like, this, mm, this is spicy. <laughs> we were singing this at seven, eight years old, watching shows that were like really bad. Like, why did our parents let us do this? Why did? But you have to safeguard against those things, songs, shows, I don't know for the life of me why a forensic files is on anybody's home. It's quiet. Or, or snapped. No, I got a safeguard against that. I'm sorry, ladies. Mm, block. 
What you see, okay, so there's uh, the, the sources of fear is your past, what you listen to, what you see in the natural. In Deuteronomy 20, verse 1, it says, When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, don't be afraid of them. I'd be like, God, come on. <laughs> For the Lord your God is with you who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So there's a lot of things that you just have to ignore. There's a lot of things you have to disregard. There's a lot of things you have to just quit magnifying, ladies. <laughs> there's a pimple. <laughs> it could be myocarditis. And I know they're not correlated at all, but I don't know any of the diseases out there, so it's the only one I know. <laughs> you hear me? I think I'm dying. No, you just ignore it. Hmm? It's a pimple, <laughs> sis. I have pain. You need to take a poo. Knock it off with that. Get yourself some prune juice and be ready to go, y'all. What is this? Y'all, no, snap out of it. Tell your neighbor, snap out of it. It ain't that serious. Mm -mm. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7 says, For we walk by faith. <laughs> That's right. So really, faith's greatest adversary is what you see. And we all go based on what we see, what we hear, how we feel, especially you ladies, me included. Because we, we got these raging hormones sometimes when it's that time of day or a month, you know. And you just, you're like, oh. You know, the, these thoughts come in and they're just really dynamic. <laughs> you're like, I don't know where that came in, but that's crazy. But we don't walk by what we see. We walk in faith. Hurry up and sit down, Max, okay? Everybody's looking at you. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. So what you see in the natural has to be disregarded. Well, I see that my, my, my son is a heroin addict. And I am just... So afraid that he's going to die. And this is all valid things. I'm not like belittling it. Okay? I know the reality of what that feels like. But fearing is not going to get the job done. And I learned that first, firsthand. Because whenever I'd feel an attack in my, in my body again or my mind, I would automatically go into fear tongues. Thinking that, like, oh, God, like, are you here? <laughs> Faith is the language of heaven. It's the only thing that God can understand, ladies. Are you aware of that? If you muddle it up with fear, God is like, you might as well be Charlie Brown's parents. Wah, 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 wah. Because God's like, I don't understand what she's doing there. I'm like, and he's like, no, that ain't me. Get a grip, sis. Come back to me when everything's cool. 
See, because faith rests. Say rests. Faith isn't conjuring something up like, mm. <laughs> giving yourself a hernia, a hemorrhoid. <laughs> no. Faith is quite easy. God made it easy. Do you know what our, our responsibility is? To just believe. That's the only thing we have to do. All we have to do is believe. Say believe. believe. That's my responsibility. God did it all. Sorry, that was, that was a little graphic. But fear is not going to get the job done. So you might as well just go into faith and rest. And no, no, I, my son is going to be a blessing to this generation like the word of God declares. My son is going to be a man of God. So what you see in the natural, forget about it. Say forget about it. What you see in your heart is another uh, source I want you to turn with me to Job 4, verse 12. Um, I've read this before, but for whatever reason, it hit me. And it says in verse 12, Now a word was secretly brought to me, and my ear received a whisper of it. In disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, fear came upon me and trembling, which made all my bones shake. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hairs on my body stood up. It stood still, but I couldn't discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence. Then I heard a voice saying, can a mortal be more righteous than God? Who do you think is speaking at this point? Yeah. I want you to understand that these things, Satan's a one-trick pony. So when you recognize the sources, then you can shut it off. Can you say amen? amen. So we understand there's a, a, an actual demonic oppression that can come upon an individual to make you fearful, to strike you with fear, to fill your minds with all kinds of, kinds of thoughts and imaginations. So that's another source. And I want you to also turn with me to 2 Kings 6, 17. Because with this understanding, there's a, a reality. I, I preached a message called, I forget what it was called, who cares. Uh, but it was about there's, there's uh, 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 another reality, the, the dual reality. I can't, I can't remember because there's so many. But it was the reality of the spirit world. And how a lot of us just get intoxicated with the reality of the natural, what we see with our eyes, hear, uh, smell, and taste. And we're so fixated on that, that becomes the only reality. But there's a higher reality. Can you say amen? amen. And that higher reality is spirit. See, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. So what created what we see and feel right now? Spirit. Spirit created what you can see, the manifestation of what you can feel. Spirit came first. So once you understand there's a spiritual element that I am not seeing at this moment, 
then you, then you, you step it up a notch. Then you're going to turn. You're going to shift. Can you say amen? amen? And here, Elisha, they're coming. Just a, an entire army is coming for Elisha. And, and his, his uh, helper here, uh, whatever his name is, uh, he's like, uh, Elisha, you better call the angels of the Lord or something because they're, they're out there. There's a multitude of people, and we're doomed. And what did Elijah? He was just coming. Did he start talking in tongues? Get the guns. No. Elisha just prayed. And he said, open his eyes, Lord, so that he might see. But he was seeing. He saw the army. Could see as clear as day. But what was this prayer? Open his eyes to see the reality of what's happening in the spirit. So there's a reality to things even though you don't see them. And so even though that, like, like I said, when it comes to the, 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 what you see in your heart, these, like, these things that come into your thought process that are obviously not you, that are obviously not God, there is something that you can get fixated on instead of what you're hearing from the demonic or uh, that kind of oppression, there's something that can snap you out of it. And that's understanding that there's a spiritual root to everything. And so Elisha said, hey, open his eyes so he can see. And all of a sudden, there was chariots of fires and, and angels that surrounded them that were greater than the army that was before them. And all of a sudden, I'm sure he was like, oh, we, we're good. We're going to take a nap. You need anything? <laughs> and that's how God wants us to be. I often look at my daughter and I, I, I see the faith in her. I see that there's no fear when she does certain things. When did we step into this realm of fear that has allowed us to not move forward in any direction at all? Like you can't even move left, right, back. No, it's just we're stuck. When did that happen? When did we allow for fear to come in and grip us so much that we are unable to do what God's called us to do? Think about your excuses. Ladies, what is it? I don't have enough money? Fear. Yeah. I'm afraid of what people might say? Fear. Yeah. I'm afraid of the, the comments that people are going to leave? Fear. <laughs> I'm afraid of looking stupid? Fear. Let me tell you, because those were pretty much all the things that I, uh, uh, I don't look the part. Fear. Because those were all the things that I convinced myself for 10 years. To not grab a hold of this mic. You don't look the part. You're not white enough and you're not Puerto Rican enough. You're kind of rough around the edges. And you say bad words. <laughs> so good luck with that. <laughs> so what am I going to do? Just be like, hey, everybody. God bless you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Matialis. And uh, it's so good to be here. No, I can't be anything but myself. And God wants you to be yourself too. You can't be Jonathan Shuttlesworth. You can't be Pastor Tom or Pastor Hope or Pastor Rodney or Pastor Adonica. I wish I could be Pastor Adonica. I wish I had that cool accent. And when she talks, it's just like an angel of the Lord comes in to you just like whispering. And you're like, oh, yes, Lord. Just when she's, oh, hallelujah. Ooh. Ooh. I'm like, oh, man, I wish I could have been. I'm like, ah! Not that. 
So you understand there's sources of fear coming in and it's actually paralyzing you from doing what God's called you to do. Why haven't you given what God has told you to give? Because you're afraid. You're afraid. I'm going to, this is half my network. This is half my, uh, uh, you know, uh, paycheck. How am I going to do this? And how? No, you're living in fear. Think about it. If fear wasn't an issue, if rejection wasn't an issue, what would you do different with your life? What would you do different? Fear is, 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 is death. And you got to cut away the death in your life. I used to be a certified florist for the state of Massachusetts. I could make a beautiful arrangement, kind of. <laughs> and uh, what I learned about plants is that if there's something that's dying, you gotta prune it. Because there's an actual system in the plant that tells the plant that you're growing, you're growing. But once it's matured and blossomed, once the fruit is grown, all of a sudden that plant thinks, game over, we're good, we can wither and die. But if you continue to cut and prune what's dead, all of a sudden it triggers something into that plant that says, we're not done, continue to grow. Oh no, there's a cut, let's heal it, go, go, move, move, let's go. And so it starts this beautiful cycle of growth. But there's a lot of us that have dead parts in our lives and we're so afraid to cut it. This is a part of who I am. This is my image. There's somebody on Facebook said, if you don't see anxiety, or what did she say? If you don't know anxiety, you don't know me. Oh wow, what a badge of honor that you're full of anxiety. Join the freaking club. When does that become a badge of honor? And then on her profile picture, it was her faded in the background with anxiety. It's like, what an accomplishment. What a feat. Anxiety is yours. <laughs> Wonderful. But we, 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 we see ourselves in this state of weakness, and it's almost uh, like, uh, this is me. This is who I am. I can't separate. This is what gra gra grabs my attention. Dare I say it? There's a lot of people, a lot of women especially, that will sit in the room and be lonely and sad and, and text their children all the time, why don't you come visit me? I'm all alone. Why are you all alone? Go out. Yeah. Target's open. Walmart's open 24 hours. <laughs> Slap on some makeup and go. But they find solace in people just being bendito. I'm sorry. You okay? Say, that's not me. That was a pathetic, that's not me. Say, that's not me. That's right, it's not. Because God has purpose in you. Do you know why you're not in heaven? Because there's something for you to do. We need you here. I need you here. I need teammates in the spirit to lift uh, our ministry up, to lift these ministries up. You need to stay connected because there's something that you have to do that is yet to be done. That's why you're not in heaven, ladies. And let me tell you, fear's a magnet. It attracts all the wrong things, just like faith is a magnet. When we started going into this faith realm, and we started like wanting, yearning for more, asking God like we need more. All of a sudden, Pastor Rodney and Adonica come into our life. And all of a sudden it was like kindred spirits. 
Because deep cries out to deep. Is it any wonder that you keep jumping from relationship to relationship and they're both toxic? Every relationship, he beat the crap out of you. I mean, I, I, w I wish somebody would. <laughs> where, where are you at? Because that, that's a spirit thing. It's a spiritual thing. Why is it that all your friends are hoes? I gotta, I gotta, I'm, you're only gonna get it, uh, the real, because I am absolutely sick of going on Instagram and seeing the hoe's face. Ho, 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 ho. I remember when holiness was the standard. Uh, let me tell you, breaking news, it's still the standard. So if you're in pulpit ministry, ain't nobody wanna see your navel or your booty crack. See, and people don't want to take the sand. They don't they want to do what's easy. They want to just go with the flow. But when you're up here and you're living holy, you're living a sanctified life, you're in prayer, you're in the word, all of a sudden there's certain things that start attracting to you and people are like, why is that happening to you? I can name a few things. Look at my Instagram account. With a belly ring. No. If you are over the age of 30, please don't let me see you wearing a navel, uh, whatever, because. Fear is a magnet the way faith is a magnet. It brings defeat. It brings the manifestation of what it is that you were fearing. And God is telling you today to shed the weakness. Shed that fear. Can you say amen? amen. You know, when judges, when Gideon and his armies come in. He looks at the crowd and he's like, if any of you guys are afraid of the enemy, you can go. How many people ran? 200. <laughs> Just kidding. 22,000. 22,000 were like, uh, bye. <laughs> you didn't have to tell me twice. <laughs> Hurry up before he changes his mind. I'm out. <laughs> because the fact of the matter is how we see things to like try to come over this this huge undertaking, how is this ever going to happen? How am I ever going to get over this? How are we ever going to defeat this army? God doesn't need the masses. He just needs just, just one person to believe that he is absolutely able to do it. And he'll do it. Can you say amen? amen. So fear paralyzes your mentality and it leads you to failure. Say, uh-uh. Uh -uh. Not me. First John 4.18 says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we haven't fully experienced his perfect love. Huh? So that's so easy. All you have to do is choose. I, just, just, I'm going to keep the love for God so fiery hot. That it's going to just uh, like drown out every fear, every form of anxiety. You know, that's a choice that we have to make every single day. 
You know the devil doesn't have a day off. He's not just going to leave your kids. He's like, oh, I'm just going to go to Dunkin' and just smoke a cigarette. Y'all have, you know, you can have a free day. No. He's out looking who he can, st- who, who he can steal from, kill, destroy. He's looking to ruin your life. Not even ruin your life. He's looking to kill you. So you can't allow that fear to take possession of anything in your life. Because that's exactly what do- fear does. It takes possession of what you, like, are, 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 uh, is most valuable. Your joy is very valuable. Do you know that today? And while we're speaking about joy, the presence of God is the remedy for every form of fear. That's why I can't begin to tell you the impact of Pastor Rodney and Adonica in my life. I mean, it is just, they, um, they are so, and I'm not saying this because you're here, Pastor Donica, okay? But it just, they are, they motivate me to be better. There's a long way that I, I can go, you know what I mean? But just to see their example and how they love people. And, and really, how you love an individual is how, how much you really love God. So how they love people really is like, it's it's mind-blowing, and you realize, dang, you must love God so much. The love that they have for each other is like, almost like too much. (laughs) I'm like, come on, guys. She, I was in the, in the, in the, in the RV, or whatever it is, the tour bus, and she said, I can't go anywhere without him, because he's my sparkle. And then he, he says that he's, like, prayed for her that even in eternity, they'd never be separated. Yeah. I'm like, dang, that's some kind of love. Because I know some of you guys are like, when eternity comes, don't ever come looking for me again. Lose my number. I don't want you in my mansion. Get to stepping. But they compel me to love better. I want to love. Not even like Jesus loved. I want to love like Pastor Rodney and Adonica. Show me how to love like that. Jesus. And when you're with them, you don't feel fear. You feel peace. You're like, oh, what is this? Ooh, feels good. You feel Jesus up in there. Because they've perfected the fullness of joy thing, huh? A fast story, when I first uh, met them, I was sitting in the front row, and I was like, get me up out of here, this laughter thing. I don't know what this is. And you you know the stories that I came with, so that's where I was coming from. And I remember this guy just rolling around laughing, and I was like, okay, let me time this. (laughs) Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and I was like, this man is being irreverent. I can't even focus on what pastor's saying because this cat be rolling around and if he comes anywhere near me, I'ma kick him. I'ma kick him. Don't you come over here with that laughter stuff. And I remember pools of sweat in this guy's like trachea hole or whatever. I was like, I don't want that. Whatever that is, that I don't want. 
So I was like, this isn't of God. Somebody get me up out of here. Jonathan's like ignoring it, like on the edge of his seat. And I was like, has anybody seen this? <laughs> There's an elephant. Somebody get me up out of here. And I was sitting where Norma is. And he said, like he knew, he knew, right? And he's like, some of you guys might think this is odd. And he was right there and I was like, What, what? Some of you might think this is not normal to see him rolling around laughing like that. He's like, but that's supernatural. He's been doing this for the better part of two and a half hours. And I was like, yeah, that is supernatural. Cause you can't even like fake laugh like that. Even on a date, you're like, <laughs> after 20 minutes. <laughs> but he was like cackling, pools of sweat, drenched. You might think this is not normal, that that's not of God, but that man lost his wife to cancer, and he said he hadn't laughed in seven years. Aww. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I felt like such an idiot. Because I was like, who are you? Who do you think you are? I was talking to me in my head. Oh, who do you think you are that you got things figured out? That you can pass judgment on this thing and call it that you have no idea what's happening here. And that was the Holy Ghost yelling at me. Because that's all, the Holy Ghost gets hoodie with me too. <laughs> who do you think you are? Like, <laughs> I peed myself a little. I'm like, I'm sorry, Holy Ghost. I'm so sorry. I'll never... And then I was like, there's no way these people are like, this is right. This is not right. Them, they're pretending to, I've been drunk. That's not normal. But then again, I was an angry drunk, so this didn't really make sense to me. I don't know, how are the people happy? And then he pulled us out, and I remember, boom. And when I fall when Pastor Rodney lays hands on me, it's not like a, it's a, boom. You know, it's the ugly, like an angel took a two by four. Just to make it, just all the pride, just kill it right there. Cause you see all these, and I'm like, Whoa! and I remember falling in front of everybody thinking like, oh gosh, and laying there and then looking over at Jonathan. And I was like, yo, Jonathan is, I've never seen Jonathan fall in the spirit. I don't know why they call it slaying the spirit, because that means dead. Uh, that's scary. <laughs> so I remember looking at him, I was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm over it. And I remember taking that thing, because they cover you up real good on the floor. <laughs> and I remember t taking that cloth up. And I was like, now nah, I'm going <laughs> to. And I couldn't walk. And I was, I was buzzed, to say the least. I was like, oh, I thought this was just straight up like wine cooler status, like It wasn't, it was the new wine. It was the new wine. But they've perfected something and I needed that. And let me tell you that when this stuff started happening, they were such a, a, a treasure for me. 
because it's what I needed. I needed to snap out of it, and I knew it was joy. I needed the joy. More than anything in the world, I needed the joy. And I didn't need anybody faking it. I didn't need anybody telling me, it's going to be all right. You don't know why God does things. I don't want that. I want the real. I want to encounter God like these people have done it. And let me tell you, it works. Because they've seen some really bad things in their life. And do you see her? Does she look haggard? Does she look like she's on all kinds of my medicine? Does she have a wine carton next to her? No. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And that's why we're peculiar. That's why things, even though the attack may come, it doesn't last. It can't stay. Because I have the resolve. His name is Jesus. And if I stay close to him, and I'm telling you what you have here at this church and at Pastor Rodney's church is something that's very rare. Do you know what it is? The presence of God. How crazy is that? That's a rarity now. Are you kidding me? And let me tell you, if you're watching and you don't have a church, please make that your home church. Don't come to my church. <laughs> Just kidding. You can. But you need to be locked up with a person that can really open up the gates of heaven. <laughs> when you step onto that field of dreams, you can feel it. You can feel it in the parking lot. When the, the, the crew starts singing. It's like, it, you're doing everything not to just go into heaven. It's like, wait, 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 wait. Not done yet here. Because you could just float. I mean, the mu I don't know what they do with the music. It just sounds like impeccable. The, the sound and everything is crystal clear. I was talking to my sister Jessica, and she's like, all I did was just weep. Because that's all I can do. Because it's such a rarity to have the presence of God. And let me tell you, it's absolutely necessary in these last days. After COVID happened, you understand, the sifting has happened. Now find the churches that are going to contend for the presence of God and stick with it. This is not a cute, oh, I like how I feel. This is a matter of life and death for your children, for your marriage, for your business. This is the determining uh, factor when it comes to you just crawling it through life or soaring like an eagle. Can you say amen? amen. I want you to stand up on your feet. The presence of God is absolutely necessary. The word of God and the voice of God is absolutely necessary. How can you hear the voice of God? He doesn't speak to me. That's because you haven't been reading the word. If you're diligent enough to put your time in the word, all of a sudden it starts affecting your mind. My sister talked about words. A simple word can just destroy lives. One simple bad report can just ruin your entire month, your entire year. Can you imagine what the word of God can do? If you're plugged into it on a daily, constantly receiving fresh bread from heaven to strengthen you, to strengthen your joy, to strengthen your marriage, to strengthen your children, that's a lifeline he's given us. And we're sitting on it. 
Because if you know the, the, the stats, and I don't, Magali's all about stats and numbers and organizations, I am not. I just take it from her. It's, it's an incredible amount of people that don't read their word. They just wait for Sunday, if that. They leave their Bibles tucked under their seats. They don't bring it home. They don't read it. They don't care. But it's absolutely important to hear the voice, not only the word of God, but to hear the voice of God. Can you imagine if Abraham went up to that mountain with his son Isaac and took that knife and just slit his throat? It would have gone for nothing. He would have done that for nothing. He would have had a son in heaven for no good reason. But he heard the voice of God giving him direction and saying, don't do that. See, it's not good enough for us just to read the word. But what is his voice saying to me? Why is this not working? Why is there failure and frustration in this area? Whatever it is, I'm going to hearken my ear to the voice of God. I need to hear his voice concerning whatever it is that you're, you're, you're battling. And he wants to speak to you. That's why you're here. He wants to use you. That's why you're here. And if you allow fear to zap you of that privilege, what a, what a, what a tragedy to not hear from God. And live. there is nothing better than being in the smack dab will of God. There is nothing better than hearing the voice of the Lord day in and day out. There's nothing like it. And you know, this isn't just because I'm in ministry. God wants this for every one of you. Can you say amen? amen? I want you to lift up your hands and close your eyes. And out of your mouth, I just want you to begin to thank God for his wonderful presence. Thank you, Lord, for your wonderful presence in this place. Thank you for changing the lives of these ladies here present in this room in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We can't live without you. We can't live without your presence. We can't live without your voice. We can't live without your word. There is nothing like your presence. We love you. We exalt you. We honor you and lift you up. There is nobody like you. Who can compare to you, God? You are matchless in all your ways. We love you, Father. And out of our mouths, we declare you are good, you are holy, you are wonderful. You're the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Thank you, Father, the, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. You are awesome. The King of kings. God, you, there's just no names. The names, just, there's not enough to describe your majesty, how beautiful you are. Thank you, Father. I want every person, and I want you to put your hands down and look at me. This is not a cute, let's pass out and lay crying. And blah, 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 blah. I want you to understand right now that there's a choice that has to be made. You know when it says, do not fear? That's a choice. Do you know how many times the angels of, of God had to go in there as they showed up and be like, eh, wait, 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 don't fear. Don't just cut, n knock it off. You know, that's a choice for us to stay in this realm of fear. Did you know that? It's a choice for you to stay in that realm of fear. Look at this. Exodus 14, 13, and 15 says, Moses told the people, fear not. Stand still 
firm, confident, undismayed, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. Mm. For the Egyptians you have seen today, you shall never see again. Doesn't that sound good? Yeah. What did the Lord say? No, don't clap. And he says, the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace and remain at rest. And then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Uh-oh. Wait a minute. I, I was just, you know, exalting you and saying, like, oh, the God is going to come and vindicate you and make a way. No, no, no. God said, why are you calling out to me? Didn't I give you what was required to cross that street, that, that uh, uh, sea? Don't you already have it in your hand? The answer is yes, I have it in my hand. There's an option for you today to stretch out your hand in faith and say, today is the end of every kind of fear and torment and anxiety and demonic oppression and eating disorder. If that's you, today is the day that that's all over with. Because God has given me the power, God has given me the authority, and there's a lot of times where we start saying, God, just do something. Do something about it, God. And God is saying, I don't know why you're crying out to me. Didn't I empower you to do that? Didn't I tell you don't fear? So what does that mean? It means don't fear. So when I started getting intoxicated with the word of God, all of a sudden in that little tiny apartment back in Bangor, Maine, when Jonathan told me, don't fear, he didn't even pray with me. And I thought he was crazy. Turns out he knew what he was talking about. Shoot. There's that train of, of thought, that momentum that you have to put an end to. I refuse to be oppressed. I refuse to cry another day in my life unless I'm crying because I'm just overly blessed and thankful, full of gratitude. I'm not crying another tear about this situation again. Here's something even more bold. I'm not going to pray about this situation another day. I'm going to put it in God's hand and then I'm going to thank him for the outcome. See, because a lot of times if we could just if we could be as focused on the answer like we are the problem, the solution would come a lot quicker. You know that? But we're so fixated on the problem. This is a situation. I'll never get out. And God is saying, you have the answer. Why don't you start getting intoxicated with what I said you are about this situation? What, I, what did I say about that situation? You can name that. You, there's all, all kinds of uh, scientific names for what it is that you've been battling with. Mitochondriac symptomatic symptoms. <laughs> Again, I'm not medically versed. Well, I don't, whatever. Or versed, period. Uh, but you know the scientific name, the, uh, how it came in, the day it came in. You know all of your medicine's names. I, I take amoxicillin for this. I take uh, a xylophomalacus for this. You got 22 freaking uh, things that you know the, the how, what time. You got ringers on your phone to take. And you can't quote me one scripture about the goodness of God. You are obsessed with the wrong thing. You are magnifying the wrong thing. And if you magnify the answer, this is the answer. This will always be the answer. It's so easy. You 
to put up with that another day in your life. Can you say amen? amen. God has set you free. So why do you keep bringing it up? From this moment forward, I want you not to be cute, but if you've made that determination in your heart from this moment forward, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid of another COVID. I'm not going to be afraid of, of what might happen or what people might say. I refuse to fear. If that's you and you say today is the day, August 26th at the beloved conference of Foundation Church. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> 2022. I made the declaration that I'm not tolerating this fear another day in my life. I meant it, and I'm sticking with it. And you should write it down in your Bible. You should tattoo it on your forehead if you have to. Oh, yeah, I can't, I can't fear anymore. Uh, do something to remind you of tonight that you have severed the ties with the devil today. I choose to walk in the Spirit. I choose to be full of faith. And I am going to be unstoppable. I am going where God told me to go. Like Moses, I'm going to stretch forth by faith. I'll see the seas part, and I'm walking on dry land. I will take the mountain God has promised me in the name of Jesus. If that's you, and you're going to sever ties with fear, run up here. But don't go crazy.